It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. I know we are on a break from our regularly scheduled podcast, but in between now and when we start our next season, I wanted to pop in and spread some love. If you're new around the podcast, let me welcome you and let you know that I'm excited that you've joined us for our podcast party. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis Oltoff, and we just finished our fourth season of We're Going There. It's been my honor to create content that equips and inspires and also sometimes entertains. In between seasons of the podcast, I decided to go back to my roots. At my core, I am a word nerd and Bible teacher, so I'm sharing some teachings out of the book of James that both Matt and I shared at the Father's House Orange County back in 2020. Yes, the year of the pandemic. I also wrote a Bible study guide for the series that will help you on your journey through the book of James, and it's absolutely F-I-E-E. And if it's for free, it's for me. Hello, somebody. Hey, it's my gift to you as you journey through reading God's word. All you have to do is shoot an email over to podcast at inthenameoflove.org. That's podcast at inthenameoflove.org. And that email will be sent directly to producer Madi. So show her some love as well. When you send over that email, you'll be sent a PDF of the study guide. Again, it's free 99. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you left a positive review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one episode. I hope you enjoy the series and I can't wait for season five. If there was more in season four, then it's a vibe in season five. Love you, friends. We have been on a five-week journey, and if you've been with us in this journey, what I love here is that James takes us through these five chapters, and he gives us a picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So the title of this series is, If You Don't Know, Now You Know the bare truth about being a follower of Jesus. And so each week we've plucked a little segment out of the chapters that James wrote as a letter to some churches that he was overseeing, leading, and pastoring. And in week one, we spoke about what it looked like to endure trials. The Greek word was hoopemone. And so for the last five weeks, I've been saying, I'm a hoopemone this. I'm just going to remain. I'm going to endure. We also discovered that we cannot just be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. And what we see here is James is going to seal this letter with a powerful reminder of the power that we possess as the people of God. Now, you might be sitting there and thinking, I have power? Oh, my brother and sister, you have power. As a child of God, the power that you possess is the gift of prayer. Now, as you pull out your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 5, Somebody is like, oh man, we're going to talk about prayer. Prayer might feel foreign. It might feel overwhelming. It might feel like, yeah, I tried it one time and it really didn't work. Or maybe you might feel like disappointed because at one point you prayed for something and then you became disillusioned with the reality of God not answering in the way that maybe you wanted. Maybe you get the Jesus thing, maybe you get the Bible thing, but you don't get the power that we possess through the act of prayer. Maybe you're new to following Jesus and the idea of talking to God might feel a little intimidating. Let me tell you today, wherever you are on this spectrum, you've come to the right place today because prayer changes faith and faith changes your life because Prayer changes your faith and faith changes your life. Now, I said this exact same phrase. I said this exact same statement last year. In fact, this weekend, a year ago, I said that statement. 
But now I'm come to you a year later, another year older, another year wiser, because I can actually back up that statement with some science, okay? People are like, I don't know if I can trust the Bible. I have some good news for you today. I'm going to lay out in scientific data that prayer changes things. I love listening to podcasts, and there's this one science podcast that I like listening to when I go running. And it's these two atheists, and they take a random misnomers, and they fill on information that will be pertinent to us to understand heavy, deep, weird topics. Well, on my run, they decided that they were going to tackle the topic of prayer and whether or not prayer works. So these two atheists found a medical research from an atheist doctor that was a heart specialist. He dealt with hundreds and thousands of people with heart disease. And what they realized, this was the most comprehensive study that they had ever done. They took hundreds of people and they called them twin patients, meaning they're the same age, ethnicity, gender, and had the same lifestyle. And one group of people were prayed over by a group of Christians, and one group of people were not prayed over by Christians. And do you know what scientific data came up with? There was an 87% greater chance of success versus the people who were not prayed for. So those that were being prayed for experienced health and healing and wholeness. Now, no matter what you believe, we have two atheists and an atheist doctor that were scratching their head befuddled because man cannot explain what God maintains, ultimate power, authority, and control. Because when you pray, prayer changes your faith and faith changes your life. So as we close out the book of James, I don't want us just to listen, but I want us to share this truth. I want us to get into the habit of what it looks like if God speaks to you, what does it look like for you to share this with other people? Because there's people out there who know we should pray or maybe believe in the concept of prayer, but maybe they've just forgotten to pray. This message is for those that feel like their faith is far gone or their hope and belief in praying doesn't work. I want you to pick up with me in James chapter 5. In James chapter 5, 13, James is closing out his letter and he says this, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. If you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If you are a note taker for the five people that are in this COVID compliant room, if you're a note taker, the title of today's message is prayer that heals. So, Bible scholars, James started the book with prayer. Remember, he was talking about trials and tribulations, and we got to hoop and monet it. We got to endure. And he spoke about the power of prayer. Now he's ending the letter, and he's reminding them to pray. James goes on uh, that instead of exhorting people with like a, hey, you're awesome, goodbye, he reminds them to take prayer seriously. Why? Maybe they were like us, where sometimes we use prayer as a last resort rather than our very first option. But do you know what prayer is? What I wanna do is I'm gonna give us a, a couple little tidbits before we jump into the text to make sure that prayer doesn't feel like it's this overwhelming thing, that prayer is something that you could actually do. Prayer is the ability to communicate with God. The God of heaven and earth, the God of creator of time, the God who existed before time, you get to have a conversation with him. But do we take it? 
Do we take that opportunity and possess the power that we have when we commune with God? So prayer is a dominant theme in the book of James. But specifically in this passage, as he closes out, in verses 13 through 16, James mentions the word pray or prayer five times in just these three verses. He's driving home the point. I've heard it said this way. Prayer is the difference between the best that I can do and the best that God can do. If you were with us two weeks ago in James chapter four, James starts the chapter and he says, hey, you have not because you ask not. What is he saying? You're not praying. You're not asking God to give you what it is that God wants to give you. So prayer is simply communication with God. Prayer is communicating with God. But the goal of prayer is to draw heaven into this house, heaven into our homes, heaven into our hearts. So prayer is communication with God. But the goal of prayer is to crack open heaven into our home, into this house, and into our hearts. Now, how do we know that? Well, the disciples, maybe like you, were maybe a little confused about prayer because they asked the Lord. They said, Jesus, how do we pray? In scripture, this is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And there's this one phrase, many of us might be familiar with it, for the five people in here that want to play and talk back, you could also put in the chat box. The Lord's Prayer has this one line that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in heaven. So heaven can touch humanity. God, you are up there. I need you to fix it. I need you to touch it. I need you to change it down here. So prayer opens up doors that we cannot open. Let me put it this way. Matt and I, we are the leaders of the Father's House, Orange County. We have the authority to lead this congregation of people. Uh, this miracle building that we're in right now, we're beginning renovations. We're very excited about it. This miracle building, guess what? Our name is on the contract. In fact, as a pastor of this church, Matt and I can go ahead and put our names on the kiosk. Like, Maybe one day you drive up and I could technically say Bianca Wattis Oltoff because we are responsible for this building. But here's the funny thing. Even though my name is on the contract, even though I could have my name on the marquee, if I don't have this key, this key right here, if I don't have this key, I cannot get in the building. It doesn't matter what my name is. It doesn't matter what the contract says. If I don't have this key, I'm not getting in. Do you know what prayer is? Prayer is our key. Prayer is the thing that opens the door so we can access the holies of holies. But let me clarify. Prayer does not get God to do something that he don't want to do. You can't count God what to do. Prayer accesses what he was already going to do. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. And as you process that, prayer is simply accessing what God's already doing. How do you know that, Bianca? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, we are a talkback church, and ain't nobody here because of Rona. So let me just tell you what Isaiah says. Isaiah 65, 24 says this. I will answer them before they call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayer. Before you prayed it, God already answered the prayer. You aren't praying to get God to do something, but you are praying to pull down what he's already promised you. You have already been predetermined to inherit the goodness of God. So get your key. Get your key. Your key is going to be the thing that lets you in to have communication with the good God. So now that we lay the foundation, I know sometimes prayer feels a little bit weird, but we spoke a little bit about what prayer is, what prayer is not. Now that we have that context, James is going to end the letter to his family. 
And we are going to go line by line through these three verses. And what I love is that we are going to learn that prayer heals. So pull out your notebooks and your Bible, and we're going to jump into verse 13. James asked this question, are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Maybe your translation says trial or tribulation, but I love that this translation uses suffering. Are you suffering hardships? I love that this word is used because it's so general. This word suffering simply means that you are in a difficult period of time. That suffering means that you are hurting or someone or something is hurting you. It can be physical hurt, financial hurt, relational hurt. It could be any sort of circumstantial hurt, but all you know is that you are in pain. In fact, you're suffering. I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself. I'm going to ask you to be honest before God. If you are suffering, will you raise your hand? Now, I know that someone at home is like, I'm not going to raise my hand because, you know, Bianca can't see if I'm raising my hand. I'm not the one that could help you. You're raising your hand to the God who does see you and can help you. You're raising your hand to admit to yourself and to those that are around you, I am in pain. Put it in the chat box. Are you suffering? Put a yes. Put an emoji. Put something there. But can we confess to ourselves and God if we are suffering? James asked this poignant question. He said, are any of you suffering? He says, yo, if you're going through a tough spot of life, if you are suffering, you're going through trials, traumas, and tribulations, you must pray. Not, oh, I highly suggest that you pray, brethren. No, he's not saying you should pray, you could pray, you would pray. He's saying you have got to pray. Now, James, James is writing to the church of persecuted Christians. They were going through trial, trauma, and tribulation. James, the author of this book, witnessed his friends, James and John, be crucified for their faith. This James knew that Peter was imprisoned on his life was hanging in the limb. James knew that man. James knew that the church was being persecuted. And he says, you got problems? You need to pray. He is telling them that he, it's not a should, a could, or a would. You've got to pull out your key. Because this key is going to be the thing that's going to crack open heaven. Then he goes on in verse 13 and he asks this question. He said, are you happy that you should sing praises? So now we're talking to the person who's not in pain. So the person that didn't raise their hand, or maybe they were lying. This is the person who said, I'm not suffering. I'm actually, you know, the skies are blue. The birds are singing. I'm over here cheering, praising the Lord. Great. James says, if you're happy, if all is good, if it's all good in the hood, what do you do? You sing praises to God. Now, let me explain the word praise, because this is where it gets a little bit confusing. Praise is an expression of value to the Lord. It's honoring the Lord physically and verbally, physically and verbally. There's no such thing as silent praise. See, you could have silent worship. What does that mean? Worship is simply ascribing worth or value to God. So I can give value and worth to God with my eyes closed in my mind. I could sit silently and I can be ascribing worth to God. He is worthy. He's worthy. He's a worthy God. But praise is something different. Uh, praise is visual and praise is vocal. That's why James says, hey, get your praise pants on. James is like, turn up and have a party. And for some people, it's going to be raising hands. For some people, it's going to be kneeling on the floor. This is the beauty. Don't worry. Next week, we're starting a new series called Worship Like Wise Men. We're going to get into it. But James wants to encourage them. Hey, if you're not in pain, you better praise. And if you're 
if you're in, in a moment of praise, guess what? Pray for those who are in pain. And since we started TFHOC, I always said, my mantra around here, I, I said, we are a house of prayer and praise. We're a house of prayer and praise. Why? Well, because we believe that if God said it, we're going to pray for it. And if God does it, we're going to praise him for it. And now that we're closing out the book of James, I feel like James and I, like we are besties. I mean, he basically wrote the playbook for us at TFHOC because we got some problems up in here. You know, a global pandemic, racial injustice. It has been a doozy of a year. But James tells us, hey, prayer, a.k.a. communication with God, is constant. If you're in pain, pray. If you're not in pain, praise, which means that we're always communicating with God. This is why... Paul the Apostle, when he wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Don't pray. You pray constantly. The best way to explain this is praying is like breathing. If you stop breathing, you die. The same is true with our faith. If we don't breathe in the goodness of God and release out what we need or our praise, a prayer or a praise, guess what? Our faith also dies. Prayer changes our faith and faith changes our life. Look at verse 14. He says, are any of you sick? Now, I've read this passage before. I've listened to sermons on this passage before. And I've always understood sick as being like in our English context of sick. But when you take the Greek word, it's a larger, wider, encompassing word. It could include physical sickness, psychological sickness, emotional sickness. But the larger understanding of this word is weary because it addresses the effects of sickness. So my mom used to say, I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, my mom wasn't sick or tired. What she was expressing was that she was weary. She was weary. It's like when you are thinking of your spouse and you say things like, I'm so sick of you. Or your roommates, I'm so sick of my roommates. I'm so sick of my job. I'm so sick of this drama. I'm so sick of this sickness. I'm so sick of this circumstance. So this concept of sick could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be circumstantial. But basically it's speaking to the person who finds himself saying, I've been beat up. I've been dragged down. I have been toe up from the flow up. My life is busted and I'm tired. So the question I ask as church today is, are you weary? Are we weary? Can we check the condition of our heart? If you find yourself in pain, in verse 13, James calls out those that are suffering in pain. And now in verse 14, James calls out those who are weary. They're tired of the throes of life to the one who is suffering and feels like, I can't go on one more day. For the one who's exhausted from praying that same prayer. For the one that is questioning, am I making the right decision? I'm so weary. What happens when we get weary? James gives us the answer. He says, you should call, verse 14, the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, so check this out because I kind of tripped in all the word nerds and Bible geeks. I mean, this was so fun for me. So in verse 13, he says, are any of you suffering? Let him pray. So in verse 13, you pray for you. But in verse 14, it gets to the part where you're like, you can't pray for you. You need a little bit of help. And maybe you're at the point in your life where 
you don't even want to pray anymore. Have you ever found that, that spot in life where you feel like the words that I'm saying feel like they're in a black abyss? I feel like God doesn't listen to me. I feel like I've been asking for the same thing again and again and again. The moment that you find yourself questioning the goodness of God. When you hit that point of weariness, call the elders. James says to call for spiritual leadership because prayer is the difference of the best that we can do versus the best that God can do. Do you know uh, here at TFHOC, we have a group of prayer warriors. We started this series and I invited people, hey, if you've got a prayer request, we want you to submit it through the app or the website. We have a group of people that were praying. And what I love is that uh, every single day our prayer team is praying over prayer requests. And did you know here at TFHOC that every day, twice a day, there's a prayer group at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And guess what? You can be part of that. The reason why prayer and praise is so important is because we believe that there are moments when we are sick and tired and we need some help. These calls create a space for us to find those that feel like their hope is gone, where they feel like their soul is weary, when they feel like their mind is vexed and tormented. And on these calls, we get to say, hey, we've got hope for you to borrow. So and we started this series, I, I, I was encouraging people to send in their prayer requests because I knew on week one, when we began, I knew where we were going. I knew where we were ending. I knew that on this week, we were gonna be putting a praise on it. I knew that on this week, we were gonna stand and dare to believe God. I knew that on this week, God has brought our church too far to leave us right here. But what I didn't know, what I didn't know and what I wasn't expecting was to read so many problems and pain of our people that we're going through. So prayer request of a nine-year-old boy that emailed us to pray for miraculous healing for his sick mom. And then more prayer requests started to come in. A mom wrote in asking us to pray for her son who was wrongly accused in serving time in prison. We had a husband write in and pray for a miraculous healing for his marriage. We had a girl write in and pray for a job because she had been unemployed for so many months and weeks. And as I was reading, because they're documented, they're in an Excel spreadsheet and it was sent to me. And guess what? I read every single prayer request. I began to pray and plead the blood of Jesus for every single person that had a need. Because prayer is putting my faith into action and trusting God with the outcome. That is good faith, friends. We see this played out in Mark chapter 2. Don't go there. Uh, we've actually taught about this, this, this particular man a couple times here at church. But in Mark chapter 2, there's a man who's paralyzed, which means he cannot move his limbs and he's on a mat. Well, he had some great friends. His friends were like, dude, we heard Jesus is in town. This is amazing. Jesus could heal our friend. Hey, let's grab him. So they pick up the man in his mat and they go to the house where Jesus was. Slight problem because the Bible loves a little bit of drama. When they got to the house, guess what? It was full of people. It was packed. They couldn't get in. So what did their friends do? They hoisted their friend up to the roof of the house and they put their faith into action. What did their faith look like? Lefty and righty. Okay, they began to tear a hole in the roof. And what we see here is that the men lowered their friend to the feet of Jesus. And scripture says in Mark chapter two, that Jesus looked up 
And when he saw their faith, whose faith? Not the paralyzed man's faith. When they saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he was moved. This is what I want for TFHOC. I want us to be a church where we got some tear the roof off friends, where we are willing to drag your booty out of bed to put you down at the feet of Jesus and be like, Jesus, we did our job. When you are going to do yours? This is what I want because life is going to get hard and you're going to want to quit. Don't give up. You're going to be confused. You're going to question. Don't give up. When you are weary and when you are tired, don't give up. Because let me tell you something, church. Here's a better truth about being a follower of Jesus. You will get weary. And so we need to stand in the gap and drag our friends to the feet of Jesus. Here, we don't want our family to do things alone. We want to partner with people, even in the weary. So James gives us wisdom. He says, what do you do? He says, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, if you're new to faith and maybe you're kind of questioning, well, what does oil mean? Well, oil is symbolic for a number of things in the Bible. Oil can be used for light. Oil can be used for cooking. Oil can be used for medicinal qualities or, or even ointments. But when James is talking about anointing with oil, I believe that it is the act of anointing to represent something consecrated, something holy. It is anointing them with the presence of the Spirit of God. Now, this kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I know I've mentioned this before, but like... California is in lockdown quarantine again, and Rona be running these streets amok. We cannot get our life together. And um, I think reading this passage and not being able to be with our people, to anoint and to lay hands on, it wrecked me. But then I paused and I thought about it. Though we can't be together physically, I know that we're together spiritually. And you wanna know something? James, when he wrote this wisdom to them, he wasn't with them. And when Paul speaks about laying on of hands to the Thessalonians and to the Corinthians, guess what? He wasn't with them. Though I might not be with you physically, I believe that the power of technology and the power of God's spirit, we could be together spiritually. We talk a lot about community groups here at TFHOC because we don't want anyone to do life alone. We have seen, though we cannot be together, we have seen in the last six months of a global pandemic, we have seen life transformation take place. It has been astronomical. We love our community groups. But one thing that hit me while I was studying this week was, I wanna just take a moment and honor Claudia who oversees our community group and every single community group leader. Because you wanna know something? To our community groups, please hear me. Matt and I are so humbled by your sacrifice because you are pouring oil on the wounds of people in your group, because you are laying on of hands digitally, because you are leading them in this moment. Yes, your faith is changing lives in your group. And James speaks to this type of faith, this type of leadership. Look at verse 15. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Now, I just want to pause and kind of rectify some of our theology. Uh, let me clarify that not everyone who gets sick will be healed. Not everyone who gets healed will have a full healing. I believe that we will all be perfect, made well and whole in the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I do believe that we will be fully healed and whole when we are with our Savior. But did you know that our sickness is not always tied to sin? So let me give this example. Uh, Job was a man in the will of God. Job was a man who loved God, but he was sick. Paul the apostle speaks about a thorn in his side, a thorn in his flesh, 
but he was in the will of God. Paul's son in the faith, Timothy, he had some sort of digestion issue, and we know that he was in the will of God. So what I want to just pause and recognize is that there's a lot of people when we talk about this passage or we preach this passage, they correlate sin with illness. Or if you don't get healed, well, then you didn't have faith. I want to say that sometimes uh, there are consequences to our sin that manifest themselves in sickness and illness, right? But not always. James is covering this passage and this portion by covering sickness that correlates with sin. So remember the paralyzed man that I just spoke about in Mark chapter 2. So after his friends hoisted him down to the floor, he's laying at the feet of Jesus. Before he heals the man, he looks at the man laying on the floor and says, son, your sins are forgiven. It's this beautiful moment. Uh, the, 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 the Pharisees, the religious folk were like, I can't believe this guy is trying to forgive his sins. And if you are the paralyzed man, maybe in my mind's eye, the paralyzed man is thinking, my sins are forgiven. Uh, 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 Jesus, do you know I don't have my limbs? Like, I can't walk. I can't hold a pin. My friends schlepped me across the city, hoisted me up onto the roof, and then lowered me down to here. And you're going to tell me my sins are forgiven? What I want to pause is that something in this man's life was more important than his limbs working again. Jesus identified that there was a sin that was more important than this man's lack. And sometimes God will heal us for something more important than we're praying for. And in the weary waiting, what if God is trying to heal a part of you that you didn't know needed healing? Jump down to verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. And all my prayer this week, my, my prayer all this week, actually my prayer for the last two weeks was that this church and that you watching would experience a new sense of wholeness, a new sense of health and a new sense of freedom. Why? Because when we confess our sins, God begins to do something different. And this is the part that I wanna geek out on. I believe that revival is gonna come. And do you know, from a historical standpoint, the thing that changed and wrecked the church before revival was confession. When we confess that we don't have our life together or we don't have our junk together, guess what? That is the place where we vomit our sin and the Lord begins to heal. So uh, before you go and confess all your trash to everybody, let me give you a little tip from serving in ministry for 15 years, okay? When James says confess to each other, I just wanna ask, who are you confessing to? Like, do you know who you're confessing to? Because I love the church. I love the church, she's beautiful. But we got a lot of jacked up people in church, okay? So you know that um, if you tell one person something, sister so-and-so is going to go to sister so-and-so that's going to go to brother so-and-so and be like, I heard, but let's pray. Okay, we're just going to stop that right there, okay? Because you know that your business is going to be all around town depending on who you tell. So where do we go? James says, look at this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So confess to the person who's going to pray for you. The person that's going to wrap you in their arms, that's going to look at you in the eye and say, baby, you're not done. God has a plan for you. you if you confess your trespasses, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive you. I'm going to war with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you. That is who you confess to. If they are not a prayer-er, then you are not a confessor. Okay? You got to be careful. You got to be careful. This is important because prayer changes your faith and faith changes your life. As we close this up, let me recap this with James 
chapter five, verse 16, that last part, he says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power to produce wonderful results. The word earnest, maybe your translation says effective, the effective prayer, the earnest prayer. You know what that word in Greek means? The energized prayer. We pray with fervor. We pray for favor. We pray for faith. We're not praying these weak, anemic, thin little prayers. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Now I let me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. No, 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 no. We get in it. We stand with people. We war with people. I know this because I've shared this story, but in 2018, my twin sister and her husband finally, after several years, decided they're going to move forward and announce that they were adopting. At the time, it was very excited. They had their paperwork, they had their lawyer, they had their finances. Everything was moving except the adoption. Uh, paperwork, finances, lawyers, closed doors, and failed adoptions. In 2019, after a year and a half of trying, my sister finally opened up and said, I'm so depressed and I don't think I'm ever gonna be able to adopt. It was around the time that we were in a series entitled Savage Prayers. And it was this exact weekend, exactly one year ago, that I stood on our stage and I boldly prayed for my sister to have a baby, that her and her husband would wrap a child in their arms and love them into wholeness. And I, being crazy and savage enough, even put a timeline on it. And I could say that from 2018 to 2019 to 2020, that this exact weekend, a year ago, it was the effective, the fervent, the earnest prayers for this baby that we get to celebrate Luna's soul being in our family since February of this year. She is a miracle. And it's not because I am worthy to pray for her or worthy for God to heal me. I was just willing to pray like I meant it. This is not about holiness. This is about humility to ask God and it don't matter what you look like. It don't matter what people think. Are you willing to ask God? Because James says, you have not because you ask not. Now, Jasmine, I love my sister. Jazzy's amazing. She is my hardest and most honest uh, critic. Um, in fact, she listens to our sermons online, and she'll always give me feedback afterwards because my, I, I want to get better. I want to grow in this gift and in this call. And Jasmine will always give me feedback, but then she'll always include the number one thing that she hates. She's like, mm, Bianca, I just, <laughs> I just don't like when you yell. It's just, like, really intense, and, like, I just wish that you were just, like, just more calm. Like, just talk to me. And I get it. I get it. Okay, I get it. Um, I, I'm naturally a loud person, but what I need people, uh, what I need Jasmine, and maybe you're that person like, I just wish you'd talk lower. What I need you guys to understand is when I hit the ground and pray, when I stand in the middle of chaos and craziness, when I lift my hands and look to the heavens and say, God, with you, we are going to win the battle. When I study the word of God, when I open up his scripture, when I prepare words that I'm coming before you, I know that when I open my mouth, it is a light that shines against darkness. The reason why I get animated, the reason why I get excited, the reason why I raise my volume is that the demons in hell hear me and tremble because there's power in the name of Jesus. When I shout and declare the goodness of God, I want him to know in the heights of heaven that I believe in him. When I yell, when I raise my voice, it's so that my voice will bring the truth that will come over the chatter of the world. That's why. That's why. Sometimes I have to shout to speak to my own self. 
James closes out this book with a reminder of a man that we're familiar with. His name is Elijah. In fact, we just finished our Make It Rain series and we learned about this man. And he tells a little bit of his story in verse 17. As we close out our time together, verse 17 says, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky went down uh, with rain and the earth began to yield crops. Elijah didn't have superpowers. He was a human like you and me, but he prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. He prayed without ceasing. Are you willing to pray like Elijah? Are you willing to look like a fool? Because in 1 Kings 18, where we recount this story that James alluded to, Elijah speaks to King Ahab. We went through this in our series. It's on YouTube, check it out. But he tells, Eli he tells King Ahab, he says this, go for there's the sound, there's the sound of heavy rain. Well, why was this funny? Because there wasn't a cloud in the sky. In fact, we know from this passage that Elijah had a servant and he told his servant, I need you to go to the top of Mount Carmel and tell me if there is a cloud. But scripture also includes that Elijah took a posture. Elijah took a posture of prayer that most people might be afraid of. In fact, it was a posture of birthing. Now, during that time, there was no stirrups. There was no epidural. There was no Lamaze breathing. <laughs> There was none of that. You know what the women used to do? They used to bend down and press. And what Elijah did in this posture is that he was birthing something inside of him that was gonna cause something to shift. He was gonna cause rain to fall yet again. So when Elijah's servant comes back and says, there is no rain, Elijah says, go again. And he went again. And the servant said, there is no rain. And he said, go again. And the servant came back and said, there is no rain. And he went four, he went five, he went six times. And on the seventh time, the servant comes back and says, I see a cloud. I, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. The word that the Bible uses is travail. That is when we work hard to birth something out. We travail in prayer. Well, why is that? Church, let me be straight up with you. There is an enemy, his name is Satan, and he wants to ruin everything that the Lord is birthing in you. And I am here as your Lamaze coach. I'm saying, I'm telling you, don't give up. I'm telling you, go look again. You're gonna tell me I did. I'm gonna say, go look again. You're gonna tell me I did. I'm gonna say, go look again. And you're gonna say, I did. And I'm gonna tell you that the enemy is coming after you. And if the enemy gets to you, he's gonna have to come through me. I've got faith for the both of us. I've got faith for healing. Go back and go again. And then when you least expect it, you are gonna say, I see a cloud and I'm gonna say, I will stand with you until it rains, church, until it rains. So church, this is what we're gonna do. Like James says, we're gonna praise. It is vocal and it is visual. I don't care where you're at. I don't give a flying thing where you're at. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. Can you worship? Can you worship? Cause there is no bondage. There is no shame. There is no shame. Let's go church. Let's worship the Lord.
for every single prayer request that was submitted, for every prayer request that wasn't submitted. Maybe here in this moment you realize, I have so much, I am suffering, I'm sick, I'm tired. Or maybe you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. What we're gonna do right now is we're gonna pray a healing prayer. I believe that the Spirit of God can anoint you with His presence. I believe the hands of God can touch you right now. And so we're gonna pray for you if you need healing, if you are sick, if you are weary. God, in this moment where we pray, I believe, Lord God, that whoever is watching, whenever they're watching, however they're watching, that you can touch them. Spirit of God, will you do a miracle work in their life? Will there be testimonies, God, of wounds being healed? Will there be a testimony of wounds being healed? Will there be testimony of anxiety being broken and, and, and addiction being broken? Will there be testimonies, God, of marriages coming together? Will there be testimonies of wayward children coming home? Will there be testimonies of freedom that's found? God, we pray for every single person that needs your tangible presence. In your presence, there is freedom. In your presence, there is healing. God, we worship you, we praise you, we thank you. And in this moment, if you have never said yes to Jesus, but today you want to, guess what? Today is your opportunity. Today is the day of salvation, right where you are. James ends the book and he says, hey, those that turn people from their sin and bring them back to me, they will be blessed. So today, today is the day of salvation. Do you want to say yes to Jesus? I'm going to count to three and I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. Raising your hand, you are saying, I want Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. One, by raising your hand, you are saying, Jesus, be my Savior. Two, believing that every chain can be broken, every sin can be removed, every failure and mistake can be for God. And lastly, His presence can reside in you, if that's you. One, two, three. We're believing that hands are being raised around the globe because every single Sunday, people say yes to Jesus. If you said yes to Jesus, we want you to take your next step. There's a link in the profile. We want to get connected to you. But right now, God, church, hey church, this is what I want us to do. Can we close up with worship? Can we sing this one more time to declare the goodness of God? Because we believe. We believe what we sing. We're going to vocalize it. We're going to visualize it right here. Let's go, church.